0: Hello and welcome back to Silver Age Silver Screen, the podcast where we watch, discuss, and review sci-fi, cult, superhero, and other stereotypically geeky films. I am your co-host, Casey Jarms,
1: And I'm your other co-host, Riley Thorpe.
0: And this is a weird fucking episode. As we're recording this, we're also live streaming it on TikTok. Is that what the kids are into, Riley?
1: Uh, Yes, they are.
0: Yeah, fuck it. I miss fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, then again, it's like whatever. Follow me on TikTok because I have a quarter of a million followers and a lot of yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Fuck off, brother. But
1: um, yeah. So this is the very first episode that Casey and I have ever done, not only live but in the same room. You know, because we started this podcast during the coronavirus pandemic, and it's over now. I was in. Wisconsin, He was in Iowa. And yeah, absolutely. The coronavirus is completely solved. It's it's all gone. Like, I don't know what you guys are complaining about. Raylan is in the corner here laughing. Oh, by the way, Raylan Stevens, uh, the guy from our last Airbender episode, he's also in the room here. We're all roommates. So say hi, Raylan. Hi, Raylan. This is the first episode that we've all done together in the same room. We've been building up to this episode for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I believe it was in January where we first did Man of Steel. And in it, we had to talk about the Snyder Cut being a thing that had been officially confirmed. Yeah, And how we both thought, oh, God, that's such a dumb idea. And then we did Batman v Superman. And we still said, oh, God, the Snyder Cut's so dumb. And then it came out and got good reviews and... You watched it, and I didn't watch it. And then, like, a month and a half ago, we did Justice League 2017. And this review is a follow-up to that.
1: Over the last, like, eight or nine months, we've been progressively reviewing the Zack Snyder DCEU films in chronological order. We reviewed Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and the 2017 Justice League movie. Yeah, so this has been building up for quite some time. And we actually originally planned to record this episode, like, as many of you know, the Snyder Cut came out in March, but this is like mid-September when we're recording this. It's like, we're a little late to the party.
0: It was supposed to come out in September. You fucked us, Zach.
1: You fucked
0: us. It was originally supposed to come
1: out late 2021, but then they announced that it was officially coming out in March. So we had originally planned like, okay, we're gonna review each one and we're gonna be on time to record this episode to review the Zack Snyder's Justice League, but then it came out in March, and we're just like, eh, we already kind of made a schedule, so
0: <laughs> that would have caused us to do like nothing but Zack Snyder DC movies for a month, and I didn't want to do that because I don't like Zack Snyder much as a director. I, I'm he's growing on me a bit, admittedly. Like spoilers. This is the best of the DC movies he's directed, but I still don't like him that much.
1: I understand and respect the fact that he, as a filmmaker, has a style, and he sticks to that. While I do think that the DC cinematic universe could have benefited from a bit less of the overly dramatic style, overly dark style, I do appreciate the fact that Zack Snyder was like, No, I like darker, edgier shit, so that's the kind of movies I'm going to make. And he stuck to that. While I have my gripes with the Snyder Cut, I am very glad that he got his chance to tell the story that he was originally going to tell. Because for those of you who don't know, he was essentially fired from the original cut of this film at a very difficult time in his personal and family life. I, I just... The way the studio handled that and i hate to keep bashing because i'm as a film director myself i'm coming at it from this perspective of oh you know the director has the vision and the studio has no right to interfere but at the same time it's like sometimes the studio we've talked about this before sometimes the studio has a right to in the studio always has the right to interfere but sometimes they need to and sometimes they should but point is i'm glad that while i do have my issues with this film that we will get into in this review i'm glad that snyder was able to get the opportunity to tell his story and i'm glad that his fans and the internet in general just rallied together to make this thing a possibility and i'll get more into that towards the end of this episode
0: normally in these things we do this scene-by-scene recap of the film. We're not going to do that, I don't think. We did it once. We did it a month and a half ago, and it's, I mean, it's the same plot. Like, the overall structure of the film is the same. There are rearrangings in scenes. A lot of them go on longer. There are added scenes, but it's the same basic story. So, like, yeah. let's do a changelog. log.
1: That's the crazy thing to me is when this came out, Raylan and I watched it like what was that, May? Yeah, we watched it like a week after release. Yeah, but we only watched the first two hours and twenty-two minutes of it, we and got
0: it right up to the part right before uh, Superman. Was.
1: Yeah, it was like right as it announced part five, we stopped at that point and said we'll finish it tomorrow, and we didn't. We never. But because. Uh, you know, you know, we more important stuff. That was the craziest thing to me, is that everyone was like ranting about how it's a completely different movie. And in terms of style and directing, I suppose, yes, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's kind of the same movie, only much longer and more complex. Yeah. And less stupid.
0: Yeah. Watching this, it's constantly us laying back between, hey, that's different, and oh my god, this is the same shitty movie. Hey, but that's different. Oh god, that's still in it? And it's shocking how much has changed. And it's shocking how much awful shit was left in.
1: Yeah. There's a lot. I think you, you and I watched it in two parts the last two nights. And you said it's amazing how a lot of the stuff that you thought was Joss Whedon's stupidity that was injected into the movie was actually left in and was Zack Snyder's vision, but then a lot of stupid stuff that we thought was Zack Snyder's vision turned out to be, nope, that was Joss Whedon.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, I was so sure, like, those random cutaways to this Russian family that no one cares about that we're never given any characterization to besides, oh, they're the victims. Like, oh, God, that's the most Zack Snyder shit ever. Because he did the same thing in Man of Steel with the Daily Planet workers. And also the
1: IHOP workers.
0: Yes, and also it's (laughs) kind of... The IHOP manager. (laughs) Well, I mean, that was his childhood bully.
1: Why did he need to be in that movie, (laughs) Whatever, It was
0: his childhood
1: bully. He was a manager of IHOP. And he was in there for one scene. He in for about 30 seconds. I'm yeah. Sorry, not in this podcast, but he bullet him for like 30 <laughs> seconds. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, deal. but my
0: point is, like, that's the most Zack Snyder shit ever. That wasn't in this cut. But at the same time, Flash, and we'll get to Flash, he's the same fucking character. I mean, some of the bad Flash lines are out, but there were new bad ones added in. This movie, it surprised me in a lot of ways. This movie, it starts off in a different way than the theatrical cut like the theatrical cut it was this video of Superman being friendly then everyone mourning him and that fruit cart getting kicked that damn fruit cart fuck it but this one it opens with slow motion by the way there's like 20 minutes of slow motion in
1: I would like to point out 10% of this 4 hour 2 minute movie is in slow motion That is 24 straight minutes of slow motion in this movie. You can watch an entire episode of any sitcom whatsoever. That's the equivalent of how much slow motion is in this movie.
0: And some of it's effective, some of it's just there because Zack Snyder likes slow motion. But anyway, the way this film starts, it's a slow motion recreation of the final battle from Batman v Superman with Superman getting stabbed through the heart by Darkseid, and it's admittedly a really good shot. And he screams, and then it becomes dumb as the sound waves from his Scream, breaking the laws of physics spread across the planet and underwater to Atlantis and to Themyscira. I get the idea that Superman's death was built by everyone, but not physically.
1: Right, yeah. Wouldn't that, like, if Superman's scream was so loud to the point where everyone on the planet heard it, Wouldn't that mean that at least Batman would have shattered eardrums and go deaf?
0: The irony! Batman having bad hearing? (laughs) Yeah. Although I would like to note one of the things that get hit by Superman's waves and waves and waves of screams is cyborg's mother box like our first introduction of cyborg is him hiding his apartment and the mother box turns on which is just something that was said that happened in the theatrical cut hey actually showing things that's Mm -hmm. more effective storytelling
1: yeah showing and telling turns out that's really effective when it comes to filmmaking i've only been in film school For four years and I've only been studying film for a third of my life and maybe I don't know Joss Whedon The guy who created the Avengers. I don't know Maybe that guy would have known that then again that guy's a piece of shit and fuck him. So I don't know.
0: Yeah I would like to note. I'm torn on which opening is better because I mean this one's better shot and it actually shows that mother box thing. Yeah. But I do like that you show Superman being a like beacon, like this hero you look up to, and then there's the scenes of the world mourning. And you don't get either of those, not just in the yeah. beginning or really at all at the start of this film.
1: Something I actually preferred in the 2017 is that earlier on in the movie, Batman stops a... Uh, criminal and in doing so lures in a parademon and that was this whole thing of like ooh Batman knows about Steppenwolf and Darkseid's invasion and stuff like that and there were a lot of people who were like okay well I felt like there was a whole several scenes building up to that in the movie but then they cut to the Snyder Cut and no Batman's entire motivation in this movie which at the end of the day I guess is kind of true to Batman his whole thing is Oh, I feel like something is happening. Like the la- that the last. Well, he la- has the, the visions.
0: The he la- has the visions of yeah. bad things because he's last- psychic in the Snyderverse. The last
1: line of Batman in Batman v Superman is: "We need to create the Justice League." Why? Something's coming. What makes you so sure? Just a feeling. That's it. That's it. That's his entire motivation. This entire movie. He just has a feeling. Yeah, And so, at the end of the day, I kind of prefer, at least at least in the 2017 one, he had tangible evidence to believe that he needs to build a Justice League of superheroes.
0: And it's interesting, like we said, a lot of scenes are rearranged. It's interesting that... So much of this film is rearranged, like, for instance, Flash Gang recruit in theatrical, that's, like, right at the start, but in this, it's, like, more than halfway through the movie, or roughly, I don't know exactly. it's, like, a third. Yeah. It's amazing how much is rearranged without it affecting plot, like, getting to that parademon scene. So, in theatrical, at the start of the movie, the parademons are already in Gotham looking for the mother box, but in the theatrical, they only go there after the first two boxes have been collected. And It's amazing that that doesn't affect it at all. (laughs) It's just weird.
1: We get essentially two opening title sequences. One of Superman screaming and his screams being heard around the world, Mm -hmm. even in Atlantis and Themyscira. Then we get the second title sequence of Batman riding horseback through Iceland, when I feel like this was a gripe I had in the theatrical cut, as well as this one. He's Batman, he can fucking fly a plane or a helicopter. No, he goes a hundred miles away, rents a fucking horse and then rides it to this one tiny village to meet with someone that might be there.
0: And I mean, it establishes the remoteness and that Aquaman's hiding,
1: but yeah, that is kind of dumb. But yeah, there's two title sequences. As a director, I completely get artistic vision but two title sequences? I mean, to each their own, I suppose. Yeah. But then from there starts part one. This film is divided into six parts in an epilogue. Part one... Don't count on it, Batman.
0: I'd like to say I don't like the part titles. It's a minor thing, but there's, like, no pattern. Well, they're all just things that are said, but the titles for these parts, it's Don't Count on It, Batman. The Age of Heroes, Beloved Mother, Beloved Son, Change Machine, All the King's Horses, Something Darker, and A Father Twice Over. I don't think any of those are good titles.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so it cuts to Batman who, right out the gate, is much, much less snarky (coughs) and sarcastic in this movie.
0: Yeah, like he doesn't say, So I heard you talk to fish.
1: Yeah, so he meets at this village, this isolated village in the middle of Iceland, where he talks to a bunch of people who speak Icelandic, and the one guy with an American accent that just so happens to be ripped as fuck have almost, like, Green Lantern-esque... Eyeball, you know, in Green Lantern, the movie,
0: he has white eyes. Aquaman irises, ha- irises yes. Like
1: he talks to he, Flash's girlfriend. He's able to pick out of this crowd who is the Aquaman.
0: You know, turns
1: out it's the six and a half foot tall, ripped American accent dude with giant flowing hair and beard with white eyes and tattoos all over him. Yeah, turns out that's Aquaman.
0: And I mean, he saw Aquaman in the last one.
1: And he saw the guy's photo. Like, ooh, Batman's such a great detective.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And like I said, so much of this film is the same. Like, the scene with Aquaman, it goes the same way. He just says, eh, fuck off, Batman, and then walks away. I mean, there are a few line changes, but it's the same scene. Except at the end, when Aquaman walks away, a bunch of villagers for like two minutes straight start singing something in Icelandic. I don't speak Icelandic. Icelandic I don't know the point of that and also one of them steals Batman's scarf and sniffs it.
1: It was Aquaman's sweater
0: Whatever the point is did that need to be in this movie?
1: No. Well artistic vision I would like to make it clear I don't want this to be like a gang-up session where we make fun of Zack Snyder because this man had a vision and he executed it as such. And I, as a fellow filmmaker, appreciate that. That said, there's a line in the most recent South Park special called the Vaccination Special where they were talking to a bunch of QAnon believers and they go, Listen, you as an American have the right to believe in whatever you want to believe. That said, what you guys believe is really fucking stupid. So the point is, just because it's artistic vision, and I appreciate that as an artist, that doesn't mean that it's objectively great.
0: No, I don't give a shit. Like, that was dumb. Yeah, it was.
1: But there was like a good 45 seconds of them singing in Icelandic. What was the point of this? I don't speak Icelandic! What? Well, I, I don't... Then again, I don't speak any language other than English, and I still enjoy Inglorious Bastards.
0: Well, well, that has fucking subtitles around like like interesting.
1: I do love her. I Again, like
0: subtitles. Thing.
1: Fun side note, kind of changing the subject here. That scene while filming, they were filming in Iceland mm-hmm. or Greenland, wherever they were filming in a place that Those was really fucking not the cold.
0: same place.
1: Well, no. Iceland has a lot of green. Greenland has a lot of ice. Vikings did that to confuse their enemies. That's got to be a myth. No, it's not. It's true. It's fact. Scientific fact. Look it up. Say your point. They were filming it in a place where it was that cold, and Jason Momoa was legitimately in near freezing water. But he was wearing like special pants and boots that would like insulate the heat in his body so it wouldn't affect him that much. He was on the Graham Norton show talking about how. That wasn't the problem. What the problem was is that when he got in the water, it was so insulated that the air bubbles would compress. So he just had a bunch of air bubbles around his junk. After like a good couple hours of filming like that, he was like, God, these air bubbles, I can't take it anymore. So he like peeled off the lining of his pants to let the air out. The problem is they were filming in like 40 degree weather. So all that sweat around his junk, yeah, 40 degrees just went into his pants and froze his junk but his nipples were rock hard though oh my god oh yes. god Lisa wow. Benet is a lucky woman don't
0: don't you, get, get away from the fucking <laughs> mic so anyway after that we get a scene where Lois Lane walks through the rain drinking coffee and it's Sad and not melodramatic. Well, Lois
1: Lane's entire involvement in the first two thirds of this movie is just being sad. Yeah. At least, at least she got that scene in the theatrical cut where Martha called her thirsty.
0: I. I mean, yeah. Honestly, no joke. That's better because also in that scene, like she said, I. I've been taking some time off reporting, just doing fluff pieces. I can't do serious stuff. Like, that's better than, she walks through the rain in an umbrella. But after that, we get the bank scene, which was cool in the theatrical cut. And it's actually a bit cooler. I thought, all the action in this movie is just better.
1: Zack Snyder, say what you want about him as a filmmaker. Zack Snyder knows how to film an action scene. All of the action in this movie is better I agree with you, Casey, because it's Snyder's vision, but not cut down and turned into the theatrical cut.
0: It was a thing that I didn't really appreciate in the theatrical cut, like the end of that bank scene. I don't know why, but it was just shot so much better where Wonder Woman runs in front of, like blocking every bullet from a machine gun with her gauntlets to save the hostages. Yeah, That was cool. Although few notes on that, you made this movie four hours and you still didn't make those villains not dumb.
1: The point is it's a terrorist group that were trying to set Europe, the entire continent of Europe into the dark ages.
0: By blowing up a museum with some kitties in it.
1: The only problem I really had with that scene is this. How fast can Wonder Woman run? Because mm-hmm. clearly in this scene, it's demonstrated that it's faster than a speeding bullet. Mm-hmm. But that's also how fast Superman runs.
0: Well, there's a lot of things faster than the speeding bullet.
1: Very true. But, as we saw in the theatrical cut, Superman is almost as fast as the Flash. But Superman's supposed to be as fast as a speeding bullet. But Wonder Woman is also as fast as a speeding bullet.
0: I think you're taking it too literally, man.
1: The point is, I'm just wondering, like, Wonder Woman could have been involved in that super speed scene because Wonder Woman's amazing. And yeah. Gal Gadot does a very good job. As Wonder Woman I saw a, a TikTok earlier And I want you guys to think about this If it weren't for the women of the DCEU The DCEU wouldn't exist If it weren't for Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman And Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn The DCEU would have quit A long time ago Think about that
0: I mean, that's not even praising Gal Gadot. It's like she wasn't too awful to get a sequel, unlike Henry Cavill.
1: But but, but just think about that. Like, arguably, the reason why the DCEU still exists is because of the women involved (laughs) in it.
0: The women and Jason Momoa.
1: God, that man is gorgeous.
0: Oh, God. Also, a few more things I want to note about the museum. I keep calling it a bank heist. It's a museum terrorism—whatever few things maybe this wasn't the theatrical cup, but it's more blatant in this wonder woman just smashes those dudes heads into stone oh, and yeah. kills them in front of these children
1: oh yeah when she's going to the group of like girl scouts that are about to be killed by roose bolton from game of thrones she goes to the girl scouts and is like it's okay you can get up and she has this whole like girl empowerment moment which i'm absolutely all for
0: But also, she just murdered some dudes in front of them. And I don't know if she had to murder them.
1: Exactly. Like, that was the thing that I brought up in our viewing of it. I was like, when she goes, are you okay? And I told Casey, I was like, no, I'm not okay. Because I kind of watched a dozen guys get murdered and had their skulls cracked in front of me.
0: Yeah. Also, not to nitpick the... Feminist little girls you can be whatever you want when you grow up, but the little girls like can I be like you when I grow up You can be anything you want Diana. Don't give her bad Expectations you're a demigod your father (laughs) is Zeus I don't think she can just become the child of a god if she really wants it
1: No, I would prefer the Justice League animated series where she's the daughter of Hades. Yeah, that, that's- That that's le- interesting.
0: Yeah, that that's interesting. interesting you can do some stuff with that. Like, I don't like the New 52 and they did it in DCEU with her just being daughter of Zeus, because that's every fucking Greek mythology hero.
1: Yeah, Hercules, Kratos.
0: Is he? Whatever. I haven't played God of War. Also, one thing I'm going to gripe, it's throughout this movie, but it was in the Wonder Woman scene where it became really noticeable because it's not noticeable when Batman's the only one on screen. Mm -hmm. But the low saturation, just everything's basically gray is back. And I don't think it doesn't really work with Wonder Woman being heroic in these bright, colorful costumes. It just looks muddy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think... Personally, overall, like, all of Zack Snyder's three films in this series, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. and, and Justice League, I do think this one, visually speaking, is the best. But at the same time, I do agree that Zack Snyder's style of very much so muted color does have a bit of an effect on... The earlier scenes in particular, because that was my biggest gripe with Man of Steel is like the shot structure and the framing was incredible, obviously, as they are in all Zack Snyder movies. The guy knows cinematography, but in terms of color, especially in, you know, a superhero Justice League movie.
0: Well, I mean, this is a good bridge to something that we didn't watch, but I was tempted. Justice is Grey! There's a cut of this movie that fucking Warner Brothers released that It's just grayscale. The film was not shot in grayscale. I cannot imagine anything you're getting from that. And I want to give this movie like a 4 out of 10 out of spite because that cut exists. The idea of that is so dumb.
1: I remember you and I were looking on HBO Max, where you can find this movie.
0: Oh Um, fuck you, they aren't paying us.
1: I remember like looking at it, found the gray, black and white version of this movie, and it was Justice's Gray. And I remember telling you, I was like, that is the dumbest fucking title. Zack Snyder's Justice League, Justice is Grey. Fuck you.
0: I don't know if Zack Snyder was the one who came up with that idea, but if it is, I take back every apology I have ever given to that man.
1: Yeah, that's another bridge to something I wanted to bring up. This movie is shot in 4x3 aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Or it's, it's, I don't, it wasn't shot in 4x3, but it's presented in 4x3.
0: I do not know enough about the production. Here's my take on that. If it was shot in 4x3 but then made widescreen for theatricals, oh, cool, it's back to the original. If it was shot widescreen and they've cut it to make it 4x3 because that's more a tour, then that's fucking stupid. It's just as dumb as Justice is Great. Zack Snyder fondant filmmaking. Well,
1: this is me putting on my filmmaker...
0: Yeah, yeah, we know. You went to film Stu O'Reilly, you have never mentioned it.
1: Point is, 4x3 gives a more nostalgic, homey kind of feel, you know? Because that's what a lot of Super 8 cameras want.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that is the feel this film is going for, (laughs) I say, rolling my eyes. So anyway, after that, we go to Themyscira, and we get this film's version of Steppenwolf killing the Amazonians. And, I mean, it's longer, and it's a bit better, but it's still not great, because... Steppenwolf is still Steppenwolf. He's still just some big gray dude. He has slightly more characterization in like two scenes, but he's still fucking Steppenwolf. He's still a shitty villain.
1: I brought this up in our review of the theatrical cut. I do think that Steppenwolf is a better character in the Snyder cut because his whole story is he very clearly has like a chip on his shoulder and he has something to prove to what would later be the villain of the canceled Justice League 2 and 3, well, rather 3, we'll get into that later, Dark side, And he has something to prove. But he, that's like... He so has more of a character. He has more of a
0: character, but it's, it's only in, like, two scenes where yeah. he's like, I will redeem myself and get back my honor. But in every other scene, he's just the same as he was in the theatrical cut, i.e. boring.
1: Yep, very true. What did you think of his design in this
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. This bland, just big gray armored dude. How can we make this a more interesting design? Well, if he was really spiky, Mm -hmm. like just covered in spikes and they're always jiggling, I don't care. They had millions of dollars, had to spend it somewhere. That was the important thing to fix.
1: I think his design, or at least the CGI, at least the CGI in, this film is much better. But I find it weird because the theatrical cut tried to make a CGI character more realistic and failed. But I also felt like they made a better CGI character with a design that was a lot more cartoonish. You know, like I thought his eyes and mouth were a lot bigger and wider. Looking at his face, I felt like it was more of a cartoon character. That said, the CGI was a lot better than it was in the theatrical cut. And his armor in this adaptation of the film, as opposed to the theatrical cut, It's almost like an extension of his body, almost like uh, the Venom symbiote. He can create spikes out of his own body. It's like it connects to his own mind, but it also like glistens, like has this weird like visual effect where it glistens with like a purple hue. The quality of CGI of Steppenwolf in this film is an improvement. I feel like, I don't know, this big imposing villain has really big anime eyes and also glows purple so
0: i don't know i guess him being all spiky is slightly cooler but here's the thing it's probably the biggest thing i can say about this movie It's better, but also you were told everything wrong with this movie and had, like, two years and 80 million dollars to fix all those things. Like, even if it's slightly better, how is this not a lot better?
1: I know, right? Like, how did Warner Brothers, arguably one of the biggest companies on earth...
0: What do you mean arguably? Aren't they, like, second only to Disney in the film industry?
1: Probably. It but how did they not throw literally everything they can at this movie?
0: Well, The Snyder Cut is one of the most expensive films ever made, with the uh, $80 million added on. Very
1: true. So, cut to Thanoscara, where there's this bunker that has a mother box just mm-hmm. waiting there. And there's just a shit ton of Amazonians who are just sitting there with their spears ready, waiting to attack anything that comes for 5,000 years?
0: Actually, yeah, that's a good point. We do see, we skipped it, but in the opening we see that mother box like turn on after Superman dies and all the dozens of Amazon warriors in there like ready their weapons cause it just turned on. But also I, I guess maybe it had been making noises or something before that, but the implication is that they're just always there waiting for it to turn on.
1: Which is strangely in character for the Amazonians. Steppenwolf and a bunch of parademons arrive on Themyscira, Wonder Woman's home, through a boom tube. They steal the first mother box, which is... MacGuffin. It's it's a MacGuffin, which it being a MacGuffin was a lot more apparent in the theatrical cut, but let's be real, it's just a MacGuffin in this movie. I I just...
0: Also, I'd like to note, a lot of people have pointed out the fact that in the theatrical cut by Joss Whedon, A, he was... A fucking asshole to Ray Fisher behind oh, the yeah. scenes. And Gal Gadot. But, yeah, but the fact that he cut Ryan Choi and Iris West and reduced Cyborg and Silas Stone screen time. A lot of people were like, hmm, that's a bit racist. What people haven't pointed out, he got rid of every single black character without a name. There are a few very minor black characters and, I mean, there are major characters, but it's noticeable that they are the ones that got cut from the theatrical. There's a black Amazonian who's like the one who approaches the box, there's a cop like during the museum heist thing, and there's a cop who talks to Gordon who are all cut. Like, mm-hmm. Mm. Great.
1: Honestly, it's really hard for me to put myself in the mindset of someone who would think to do that. Oh yeah, this person has a darker skin color, let me completely cut them out of this movie. Like that's just such a weird fucked up mindset to have I, I can't even put myself into the mindset of someone like Joss Whedon who would go so far as to demand the color corrector of the film to lighten the skin tone of an extra in the background.
0: And you know what's the weird thing? He's directed things with black people before without being fucking awful. Exactly. Was he just in 2017 and he's like, you know what, fuck it, I'm done not being a monster. To people of color, I've always been a monster to women. Yeah. Yeah. God, I feel so bad for anyone that's worked with me. The film carries on pretty much like the theatrical cut for a lot of it, but there are a few added scenes. There's a scene where Aquaman walks down a dock for like 40 seconds that could have been cut
1: I I would like to point out one thing I said in our review of the 2017 cut that shot Aquaman saves the guy from the drowning boat but then he brings him to the bar grabs a bottle of whiskey and goes it's on him which is badass by the Mm -hmm. way and then as he's walking down the pier downs the bottle of whiskey and then smashes it on the pier I said in our 2017 cut review that it was like three or four minutes that was an over exaggeration i of of course I, i timed it it is one minute 12 seconds of aquaman walking down the pier now in the grand scheme of things that's not a lot but when you're watching a film
0: that is four hours a
1: minute and 12 seconds of a man just walking down a pier at a point that's That's just self-indulgent on Zack Snyder's part. Like, that's just... Why does that need to be that
0: long? There's also a scene where Wonder Woman, like, uncovers this Amazon ruin where she finds out about Darkseid, which, I mean, she says things that she wouldn't have gone from the painting, so I guess it is like in the theatrical cut where she's just heard the legends, but whatever. And finally, we have a scene with Willem Dafoe playing the character who would later be an Aquaman, where he gives a bunch of exposition about the plot of the movie Aquaman to set up the movie Aquaman. Hmm. This movie was made to set off spin-offs.
1: And that's the crazy thing that like a lot of people that I've seen that criticize Marvel movies who are like pro Zack Snyder's vision, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. People say every Marvel movie just, the end is just a trailer to the next movie. But then I say, at the exact same time, every Zack Snyder movie, the last, like, 15 minutes has also been that. Shut the fuck up.
0: Even, Seriously. Even in this, after he said he'll never work for Warner Brothers again, it ends with the fucking trailer, basically, for his next Warner Brothers movie. Like, what the fuck? You know, something I realized, you can't not compare this to the Avengers, both because of Joss Whedon and because this exists because the Avengers made a ton of money. That is why Warner Brothers made this movie. And like even with Zack Snyder's artistic vision, this is a film that was created by a big company to make money.
1: That's what all movies are. Yeah. Because the film industry is a business.
0: Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the Avengers was taking the plot threads and characters from like five different movies and pulling them together. This This movie is the opposite. It is introducing and creating these characters and giving them their own individual hooks for a sequel. Like, Aquaman is that, Flash is that, it sets up a sequel to this. It was supposed to set up a Batman sequel with him fighting Deathstroke and it has that. Like You talk about it being this big artistic thing and restoring his vision. His vision is setting up a spin-off. He introduced Ryan Choi and he said in interviews, he introduces Ryan Choi, who did not need to be in this movie. Like, Ryan Choi does nothing in this movie. he could be cut because he was a pointless character. Like Zach Nair said, Oh, I introduced Ryan Joyce so we could do a spin off because that would appeal to Chinese markets. Like, you talk about artistic vision, this is just spin off bait. I
1: mean, at the end of the day, whether you're a Marvel or DC fan, you have to recognize this whole Marvel versus DC debate is fucking stupid to me.
0: I just want not watch good movies.
1: Exactly. It's like we're all going to see Marvel and DC movies. <laughs> Everyone involved is laughing on their way to the bank as they make billions. People are like, Marvel's better, DC's better. No, we're all going to see these movies. We just need to make good movies, you know, regardless (laughs) of studios, characters, rivalries. You know, like, it's so fucking stupid.
0: Reminds me of back in 2019 when Avengers Endgame almost beat Avatar at the box office and they ran it again. And we're fans like, hey, make us the most successful movie ever so we can beat Avatar, which is owned by the same company. And Avatar ended up taking them over anyway when they did the same with Avatar. Like, it's all fucking fake, man.
1: They did re-release Avatar in China. Yes,
0: yes, like, it's fucking, it's so dumb. James Cameron's a sore loser. Fuck you, James Cameron. You had Titanic, you had Avatar. Let someone else take it. Let someone take it from the Russo brothers. Let someone take it from whatever fucking asshole may gone with the wind. Whatever, (laughs) we're off topic. Dude, you were literally a
1: truck driver before you started filmmaking. What's wrong with truck driver. Not, nothing. I'm just saying you started literally not involved in the film industry. Not I'm not insulting truck drivers whatsoever. You this, are. Casey, fuck you. I support trade employees
0: <laughs> and truck drivers. What
1: about union employees? I support union employees.
0: Why are you <laughs> here, Raylan? Because
1: he's having a great time. Do you see him laughing? Anyway, I'm not insulting that. I'm just saying. I know. James Cameron, you were a truck driver and then said, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. Now you have suddenly the biggest ego in the world. You're the second most financially successful filmmaker in the world. Snort coke off a prostitute's ass and move on with Thank your God. life. Like seriously. anymore. He's still doing that. You cannot argue with me that James Cameron isn't still doing that. Anyway, back on topic.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we then get the same flashback from, well, I mean, it has some added stuff in and it's a bit cooler. Like all the action is longer and it's cooler, but it accomplishes the same plot stuff. So who gives a shit? We get the same flashback story of Steppenwolf coming to Earth thousands of years ago and getting fought off. Except this time he's Darkseid instead who gets his ass kicked and retreated. And why? No, seriously, why? Because A, the whole point of this movie, the change they make to Steppenwolf, is that he lost and he's trying to redeem himself. But you gave his loss to a different character. And B, ooh, we're setting up our next big bad by having him get his ass kicked by the villain of the Wonder Woman solo movie.
1: In the last third of that movie, which was arguably shit,
0: Also, something that occurred to me, like, people are all like, ooh, it introduced Darkseid. Darkseid's a cool villain. This film has ruined Darkseid. Because you think so? Or let me explain. Because Darkseid's whole thing is he's this big, intimidating, strong warrior who comes to Earth and the Justice League fights him, and it's their strongest battle. They did that once with Steppenwolf, and it was bad, and they want to do it again, just the same thing over again with a cooler character now. (sighs) It's like how fucking the first Venom movie had a carnage knockoff, so in the sequel they can actually have carnage. Like, why? Why wouldn't you just do the cool version first instead of the lame one?
1: I do think that this sequence in this adaptation, with Darkseid as opposed to Steppenwolf, was much cooler and much better. Sure. Because there were little moments... Especially the part where Darkseid reached out to the Green Lantern ring. Yes! That was fucking amazing.
0: Yeah, like he kills Green Lantern. I mean, I think that was... Shout
1: out to that one random Green Lantern, which I'm sure he has a name. Yeah, I'm sure but, we can look it up right now. Yeah,
0: But, like, Darkseid kills the Green Lantern, and then the ring floats up to him. And that's such a good idea. Like, I don't know if that was intentional, but the ring goes to the person with willpower. Darkseid got willpower. And, like, it gets knocked away with the arrow. But Darkseid with the Green Lantern ring. The possibilities. Yeah.
1: That said, one of my biggest gripes with this movie is the fact that The entire plot revolves around Steppenwolf finding out that Earth is the location of the planet that Darkseid lost in, correct? I feel like in terms of hundreds of thousands of planets that you've conquered, you would remember the one planet that you lost at and lost all three mother boxes. That said, I also think it's fucking crazy that Darkseid would not only forget that, forget the planet that he lost at, the one planet in hundreds of thousands of planets, the one planet that he lost at, as well as the fact that he lost the three mother boxes. Well, is that. it just
0: three? Because they talk about how he uses them to conquer worlds and like he's can are the mother boxes just those three or are there more?
1: Honestly, I don't know. I-, I would remember that planet is my point. That's a big gripe of mine. Like, that's a big logical thing. Like, I get that Dark Side is like an immortal being and two immortals, like Years are seconds to them and they forget things which was actually a plot point in a recent Thor storyline where Thor was talking to Captain America where he was like, do you remember the first time that we joined forces and he goes I don't because I'm immortal and To me like years are seconds. I don't remember that so point is Darkseid theoretically would remember This planet, and this is also conveniently the planet where the anti-life equation is on. We have been recording this for over an hour, and we are less than a third into this movie. I told you that this was going to be a long episode, and I am down to keep recording.
0: Yeah, fuck it. Let's, Let's just keep going. Let's see how fucking hammered Riley can get. So anyway, after the prophecy, Batman's like, we need allies, which he was already doing. So he goes to get the Flash, and oh god... It's still Ezra Miller's Flash. It's still the same character. He goes to a job interview, and it's like, ooh, my resume. Resume, that's a French word. Ooh, it's in my pocket. Ooh, it's all crumpled. Ha <laughs> ha, pants monster. Like, oh my fucking God. That wasn't all Joss Whedon?
1: Yeah, here's the thing. There is a sequence in this movie where it's all slow motion because iris west who much like the cw tv show is played by an african-american
0: woman. also in the comics after the new 52
1: yeah very true there is an entire sequence where the flash is applying to a job at a doggy daycare center, and Iris West is in a car accident with a truck driver who's really bad at his job. Oh
0: driving. yeah, can we talk about this fucking truck driver? Ooh, I'm driving a name burger. Oops, dropped my burger. Just gonna bend down to get it while keeping my foot on the gas.
1: Yeah, there, there there's <laughs> a CGI. <It's>
0: so- <laughs> oh, God, I'm, I'm coughing because it's so fucking stupid. What is that truck driver?
1: There is a shot where the sesame seed of a sesame seed bun of a cheeseburger, which honestly sounds really fantastic right now because I'm very hungry. There's a a shot where a CGI sesame seed bun is moving towards the camera. The flash in super speed runs out of the dog parlor.
0: Through the glass, by the way. There was a door. He smashes that window.
1: (laughs) Shoeless, shoeless. He saves Iris West, but not before grabbing a hot dog and putting it in his pocket. (laughs) He saves Iris West. There's a good like 10 to 15 seconds where they're like, hey, how's it going? I have a really big crush on you before he runs back into the dog parlor where it cuts to the owner or the manager of the dog parlor who like looks at the 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 pen with all the dogs and he's feeding the dogs the hot dog he goes you know i always carry a meat snack for the dogs because it calms their nerves like there was a good 10 seconds where that manager saw you right in front of her then outside saving that woman from a car accident, 10 seconds later, saw so you right next to the dog. She knows you're the Flash.
0: Yeah, right. and as dumb as the sequence is, it has some good things. I like that Flash's introduction is him saving someone and being a hero, and the way it's shot is amazing with just the slow-motion glass shattering and the brown cracking beneath his feet. Although I would like to note it's supposed to be romantic, him just staring at Iris in super speed. That's creepy, right? Yeah, that's creepy. But yeah, it's not a bad scene, but it is kind of dumb. Because he can run so fast that everything is in slow motion for him, essentially. Mm-hmm.
1: And he's just like, taking that time to check around. It's like, no.
0: Yes, thank you, no. Raylan. Flash is a bit fucking creepy. He's... Not great, he still has a lot of the, oh god, lines. Like, the thing about this movie is, like, there's an infamous scene in the theatrical cut where Flash is like, oh, uh, I don't understand brunch, and that's like the joke. In this, they fix it by having him say, oh, uh, I don't drink milk. Like, he's the same character. He doesn't have the cowardice when they're saving the hostages, and there's a cool scene where, like, a bunch of rubbles falling and he like punches it all away but he's still the flash
1: there was this interview with Zack snyder where he said that he told the world how he reacted to when he heard the line in the theatrical cut where flash was like i've never done battle i just push people and run away he said and i quote what that's the same character
0: Yeah, like, Zack Snyder, I don't want Flash to be a loser in my movie. Now I'm gonna have Flash say, Ooh, that's a nice-looking Jewish boy. But he looks like he drinks milk. I don't drink milk. So, we've talked about The Flash. Batman's basically the same.
1: Except less snarky.
0: Batman's a bit less snarky. Wonder Woman's basically the same. Superman's actively worse, and we'll get to that. Yeah. That leaves two members. Aquaman is somehow just as flat as a, of a character. You double the length of the film, and Aquaman's still just the big guy. But this film's shining moment cyborg goes from being a kind of flat character to the emotional core of this movie and ray fisher as cyborg is genuinely really good
1: absolutely and it's such a shame that he and his whole story was cut from the theatrical cut thank you joss whedon and the executives at warner brothers thank you very much for Cutting out the black man.
0: We get to see him playing football. We see him in the accident. We actually get his backstory instead of just being told it. And later on, like cutting ahead a bit, he has this great arc. There's a lot of good scenes with his father, like when they're breaking into the Star Labs, he and his father just share this knowing nod, like, oh, you finally become a hero. And something they added in this You know how in the theatrical cut, Steppenwolf gets the third mother box off screen? That doesn't happen. Silas takes it to try and hide it, and Steppenwolf corners him, and Silas shoots it with a laser so they can, like, track it, because it's really hot now. He dies doing that, and there's just some great drama from Cyborg. Him just saying, I I couldn't save him, and, like, as they're going into battle, and they're like, okay, Cyborg, this might kill you. He's like, I I don't care. I I have nothing left. And they have a scene where he, like, helps an old friend and, like, gives her a bunch of money from an ATM. She probably went to jail after that. Yeah,
1: Cyborg is really the emotional core of this movie. And I would like to point out, as just an observer, that in those flashbacks to Cyborg playing football, he was playing against the University of Wisconsin. And that's where I am from the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, I am from Wisconsin, as is Zack Snyder. So that was just a funny story. I was like, he's playing Wisconsin. I remember yeah. turning to you and I was like, that's the Wisconsin football team logo. Yeah. That's Wisconsin. He's playing yeah. Wisconsin.
0: And they reused the Gotham City University rogues with their black and yellow uniforms from The Dark Knight Rises. These two film series take place in the same continuity do not analyze that for more than a second.
1: Cyborg is a much more developed character and he's arguably the emotional core of this movie. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of emotional scenes, it has this really good scene with Martha and Lois where Martha's like, I can't talk about my son with anyone but you. He saved the world but to me he's just Clark in a can tell anyone. I'm like wow that's a really good emotional scene that gives us a great look into Martha's character and oh okay never mind that wasn't Martha that was Martian Manhunter disguised at her trying to get Lois out of her depression for some reason. In fact Martha's barely a character in this. Okay not sure what that added to the film. I was about to praise you but never mind.
1: Yeah you know I I've brought this up before on the show. Martian Manhunter is honestly, top five, if not top three DC characters of all time. And it's solely due to this one scene in the Justice League animated series where they're fighting a villain that was comprised of entirely psychokinetic energy. And Martian Manhunter being a telepathic character, is able to track that character but he couldn't find him. And the Justice League was like, no, you need to extend your powers. You're almost as powerful as Superman. You need to extend the limits of your powers to find him. So Martian Manhunter uses his powers to hear all the thoughts around the world, to find the villain. And he, he, he listens to every single thought around the planet and he finds the villain and tells the Justice League Okay, I found the villain. This is where he is. This is where you need to stop him. But when he did that, Martian Manhunter heard all the pain and suffering throughout the entire globe. So while the, ju- the rest of the Justice League is fighting, Martian Manhunter is walking through the woods having an existential crisis. Like, there's so much pain in this world. Like, I can't stop this. I'm supposed to be the hero, and Martian Manhunter is this always very logical, analytical hero who's like, no, this is the right thing to do, we need to do that. He's this character who is now having a crisis of faith, like, there's so much that I can't stop right now. And he's having this existential crisis, then out of nowhere, he hears this crying. But it's not, like, far away, it's very nearby. And he flies over to it and finds this little nine-year-old girl who's lost in the middle of the woods. She's afraid of him at first, but he convinces her that he's a friend and he won't hurt her, and he picks her up and flies her to a nearby search party looking for her and brings her back to her parents. And it's in that experience that while mid-existential crisis, he discovers, he goes, you know what? There is a lot of pain in this world. There is a lot of suffering. But what I just did, saving that little girl, that in seemingly insignificant single life, that mattered. That's important. That mattered. That is the reason why Martian Manhunter is one of my favorite DC characters, superhero characters in general. And yet in this movie, oh yeah, he leaves a door and he transforms out of Martha! and turns into Martian Manhunter.
0: Yeah, like, hmm, I could help fight off Steppenwolf and save the world. Nah, I will help Lois Lane get over her depression, though. That is the extent of my heroism. I don't know why I didn't do this earlier, now that I think about it.
1: Yeah, like, you know, you know that in Batman v Superman, when Superman is like, YOU HAVE TO SAVE MARTHA! (laughs) Like, you know Martian Manhunter was reading a newspaper Halfway around the world, like, I just got a great idea.
0: God, the fact that he's Martian Manhunter, and they didn't know that when they wrote the last two movies, that makes it weird. Also, DCEU Martian is kind of a dick. He never, like, oh, God, Superman is playing for his life against the Kryptonians. Oh, well. <laughs> like, because he's in those movies. He knows what's going on in all the climaxes. I mean, I liked him when he was the general who's like... There's no people up there. There's Superman. But no, no, now that I know that he could have probably made it so Superman didn't die fighting Doomsday, and he's just like, eh. Like, fuck Martian Manhunter. He helped his friend get over her dead fiancé. That's, that's oh so
1: after the cyborg flashbacks where we learn how he was in a car accident with his mother his mother died his father used one of the mother boxes to turn him into a cyborg Mm -hmm. which is really interesting because they were originally planning on making a cyborg solo film
0: what would that even have been about
1: there's a dc villain named grit who's basically you know how a lot of Marvel villains are, like, gray, evil versions of the heroes?
0: So he's evil cyborg. Yes. Mm. So point Sounds is... Sounds great.
1: Yeah. Warner Brothers fired Ray Fisher. I wonder why. You know, because he's African American and because he criticized a racist.
0: Yeah, everyone criticized Jess Whedon, only the black guy who got yeah, fired. Literally. literally.
1: That's- That's
0: interesting. It might have a different reason, but I can't think of it.
1: Here's the thing. I know we've talked about this before, but Gal Gadot, like literally everyone involved in the 2017 Justice League movie, they came out against how horrible Joss Whedon was. Gal Gadot said that that man literally threatened her career. Jason Momoa, Ray Fisher, Ezra Miller, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill. Every actor came out about how abusive he was. Ezra Miller literally was on tape assaulting a stranger. And the only man to get fired by Warner Brothers was the black man.
0: Yeah, let's see, ah, Ben Affleck, friend with Harvey Weinstein, almost certainly knew about that, eh, he's fine, Gal Gadot's military service, pfft, the fuck, (laughs) Ray Fisher, I guess. Amber Heard was in this.
1: (laughs) Very true, very true, Amber Heard was into this, now,
0: for two scenes, but still. (laughs) So anyway, before we reach the climax and me ranting about how I hate this film's version of Superman, just some scattershot. Quick thoughts I have on this. Number one, they actually explain where Silas got the mother box in this. Yeah, yeah, this strange magic alien cube. Uh, the Nazis found it underneath the monastery during World War II. You stole that from the Avengers, come on. Yes. The first posters for this film said, Unite the Seven and there's only six heroes in this. That's great. One of my favorite moments with the Flash in this, as they're digging up Superman, he's like, you know, he was my hero. That's really nice. But at the same time, they had a scene where Flash says they has a crush on Wonder Woman. There's a few scenes where they mention that the Amazonians and Atlanteans were enemies and Wonder Woman and Aquaman flying together is this big thing, except for not really because they don't speak to their peoples. Very Th- true. Yeah. This is a thing from the comics that I just never realized till I saw this movie. So Cyborg's always naked. Yeah.
1: <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, when you started that conversation, I did not think that In particular is where you were going to go with it
0: he's always naked i guess i never realized in like the cartoon because he's bulkier in that but he's skinny in this you can see his legs he's naked very true
1: here's the thing amazonians and atlanteans they're going to war with each other here's my question why is cyborg naked
0: no actually the reason why this i thought of it during this is they bring attention to it like Okay, everyone. Time to suit up. Cyborg takes off his clothes. I'm already suited up.
1: Here's my thing with uh, this movie is that it's a very interesting portrayal of Cyborg because he is a product of experimentation with the Mother Rocks. And in this movie, Cyborg is essentially his body, the way he moves, the way he looks, he's like almost like a monster, like a skeleton in this movie because that's what he is. He's this amalgamation of this alien technology With a humanoid biology He's like a skeleton Like he's limping throughout the movie Because his body's so lopsided Because he hasn't like embraced His technological side of it Of his body Which is an incredible way to introduce Cyborg By the way because I grew up with Cyborg As a member of the Teen Titans And at the end of the day I still do Prefer him as a member Of the Teen Titans but Introducing the fact that he is Like struggling with the fact that he might possibly be a monster. That is really interesting way to take his character. Like he's limping in a bunch of movies because his body's so lopsided. And I actually saw that in a couple shots in the theatrical cut, particularly in that scene where they're trying to find where the mother box, the last mother box and where Steppenwolf is located. Batman's talking and then he's like, Cyborg, come on, why don't you give your presentation? cyborg like limps up there if you look closely he's like limping up there because in the original adaptation cyborg is like hunchback of notre dame type character where he has a heart of gold but he has the body of a monster and everybody judges him because of that And that was something that really struck me as really impactful. Like Later on, he is having this vision by the mother boxes as he's separating them. They're like, listen, you're a monster. You need to embrace that. And he goes, I'm not broken. Yeah,
0: that's great.
1: Like, honestly, Cyborg is legitimately the heart and soul of this movie. Yeah. And... Everything with him in this version is incredible. Yeah. As much as I love Martian Manhunter, this adaptation of Cyborg is incredible.
0: So, we've talked about how Cyborg is the best part of this movie. I'm gonna rant about the worst part of this movie for a bit. I do not like Zack Snyder's take on Superman. I'm pretty sure I said in Man of Steel that he hates Superman, and I kind of regret that, because no he doesn't. He just has a different take on the character than people with good taste. But that said, (laughs) I fucking hate Zack Snyder's Superman! And I praised the theatrical cut, because it was finally Henry Cavill is a good Superman. All that gone. The charisma, the him saving civilians in the climax, it's all gone. The theme and the colorful costume, it's gone. How about a black costume, because that's goth and edgy.
1: Yeah, and I knew I knew about the black costume, because in the promo, social media promotions for this movie, Zack Snyder teased the black suit cut to the theatrical cut of this movie. The black suit is nowhere to be found. So it's like, all right. So that that was obviously Zack Snyder's vision of this movie. So cut to the scene where the Justice League resurrect Superman, which was actually fairly well adapted to from the snyder cut um apart from the fact that Lois Lane gives coffee to some random police officer who has no character whatsoever mm-hmm
0: yeah. Oh, also they added a little moment in for the Snyder Cut where Wonder Woman's always doing that, like, clash of gauntlets together to create an explosion. She goes for it, and Superman just stops her arms, which is cool. But yeah, theatrical cut version and the Snyder Cut version of that scene are very similar.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, even to the point where I did some research before recording this episode, and the studio was trying to change this, the theatrical version of this film to more along the lines of what the Avengers was. Because the Avengers, what made it very interesting was that, was that there was a lot of internal conflict among the Avengers. In Zack Snyder's version, there was a lot less conflict between the members. And there is a little bit here and there. But in terms of overall the movie, there's a couple of conversations. But overall, they're like, yeah, this needs... All the members of the Justice League recognize the fact that there, this needs to happen and we need to team up to fight this alien threat. Where, where was I going with
0: this? I, I genuinely don't. This is going to be a trip to edit.
1: Yeah, but um, wait, wait. Does he have it?
0: Does he have it?
1: Um. Yeah, no. There's a lot of stuff in the theatrical cut that I was like, this is probably just Joss Whedon reshoots. But no, like, there's a lot of stuff where like Aquaman during the resurrection of Superman is like, this is a bad idea. And Cyborg where his arm like starts, turns into a cannon, he's like, it's my internal internal defense system. Which I'd like to throw out the fact that Cyborg has the power to turn literally every nuke on the planet on itself and yet he can't stop his own arm from shooting superman fuck you point is
0: that dumb thing from the theatrical cut is also in the snyder cut is what you have been trying to say
1: no what i'm trying to say is oh. point is what here i i actually do have something legitimately interesting to say then
0: fucking say it uh, you won't let po- me it's your podcast
1: dude. i not just chilling What I'm trying to say is, in the Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut that we watched, Superman was killed at 2 hours 38 minutes and 49 seconds. In the Zack Snyder Justice League Cut, Superman was resurrected at 2 hours 38 minutes and 49 seconds at the exact same timestamp as when he was killed in Batman v Superman Ultimate Cut. and if you look at it, in the Bible, Acts 2.38, read as follows. All of you must turn to God and change the way you think and act. And each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. The Holy Spirit is life. Superman being resurrected at 2.38. 2.38 means that he is receiving the Holy Spirit, which means the, the gift of life. Now, that said, I do admit that Zack Snyder constantly adapting Christ imagery in every single one of his films, is a little ridiculous. Like at a point it's like, okay, at what point do you stop realizing, oh, this is genius to- Oh, this is else? just
0: Superman T-posing. Right, exactly.
1: Like, so point is, Superman is resurrected, and Lois Lane has more of a reason to be in that monument. And that whole sequence is very similar to the theatrical cut. However, it's a lot better due to the fact that Cyborg watches his father sacrifice himself to increase the thermal kinetic energy of the the mother box so that they can track it.
0: Oh, by the way, Something I realized we skipped. Zack Snyder has a lot of dumb vision scenes. As Cyborg is, like, reviving Superman, he sees a vision of what's gonna happen in the next one, which all the important moments of it were in the last two films, so who the fuck's gonna see Justice League 2? But anyway, of Wonder Woman and Aquaman getting killed by Darkseid and Superman going evil, Uh uh-oh. So he's like, oh, don't do this, no. Flash is like, oh, did you say go? And they revive Superman. And Superman listens to quotes of his father's as he puts on the stupid black costume and he flies into the climax. And. Just getting back to, I fucking hate this film's version of Superman, it pissed me off so much. Like, instead of Superman, like, carrying that entire apartment building, like, saving a bunch of people in the ending of this movie, Superman's role in the climax of this film is to just pound the shit off Steppenwolf, like, black costume, red eyes, he just punches Steppenwolf really hard and, like, cracks Steppenwolf's skull open. Yeah, Superman's cool, like, when he's angry and scary and he's, like, the Strongest one and he just he just like hits stuff really hard. What is this hope? What is this being inspiration? What is this being moral? He's like strong and he gets red eyes and he punches stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, also a thing that is genuinely cool, as they're going into the final battle, Batman says about Steppenwolf, because Steppenwolf's conquered thousands of planets, I don't care how many demons and how many hells he's fought, he's never fought us. That is cool. So they go into the climax, they go to... Chernobyl, or they call it a different name, what's fucking Chernobyl? It's a former USSR city that was destroyed 30 years ago by a nuclear meltdown. It's Chernobyl, except they say it's right outside Moscow, which would've been a lot worse in real life if Moscow was where Chernobyl happened. Yeah. Also, I realized while watching this, so they all have cancer now, right?
1: Right, of course.
0: They fight in the... Chernobyl nuclear reactor. Batman has cancer now.
1: Well, and Flash obviously has cancer now because he can super heal, which means he's just existing with cancer for the rest of eternity.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, Superman going to town on Steppenwolf, I fucking hated that. But I do like Flash's role in the climax. He, like, runs around the city building up speed so he can generate electricity to destroy the mother box. It's cool, but he trips and he fails and everyone dies. in
1: fairness, he is shot by a turret.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fucking bitch, just dodge lasers, you're faster than light. But anyway, it blows up and everyone dies and Darkseid is coming to Earth and Flash just runs so fast that time goes back. And it's shot so good. I hate Zack Snyder as a writer, but damn, he can shoot a good scene. Like, a Flash running, and he runs so fast that the light isn't even moving, and then just everything goes away, and he's like in outer space, and the ground is reforming as he's running across it, and he turns back time and saves the day, and it's cool. And, like, the way Steppenwolf, instead of the parademons turning on him, like, Aquaman stabs him through the fucking heart and throws him up to Wonder Woman, who cuts him in half, then they kick him back at Darkseid and stare him down. Like, that's cool.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it is strange because there's a lot of similarities between the theatrical cut and the Snyder cut of this movie from a visuals perspective and a story plot perspective. Like, there's so many similarities between the two that like...
0: Well, they're the same movie, just different cuts.
1: Very true. But it's like, visually speaking, in the theatrical cut, Steppenwolf's force field that he's created around this Chernobyl city is red-tinted. And in Zack Snyder's version, it's black-tinted. Or dark blue, whatever er, you They
0: actually knock it, like. it down in the Snyder cut so the sky goes back to being night sky.
1: Yeah. Exactly it's Night Sky. That said another thing I preferred in the theatrical cut which not giving Joss Whedon any credit whatsoever um, That shot where Aquaman rides that parademon through five floors of a building I thought that was better done in the theatrical cut because you could actually see what's happening Then you could see him like boom, 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 boom through the different floors. That was just such a badass moment. That said, Aquaman is in both adaptations completely wasted because he's in the middle of no one give a shitsville Russia and not next to water, where he could summon the literal cracking.
0: Oh god, that reminds me of something that we just made fun of as we were watching it. Like, at the end, Aquaman says I'm gonna go meet with his dad. His dad who lives in Maine, by the way, and he's in Iceland when he says this. And he's by a beach, so he walks into Iceland and gets into a truck to drive that truck to Maine, or maybe to an airport, but he can just swim. Whatever, it's a dumb thing. But overall, Superman is fucking awful in this climax. But overall, it's better. And that stare down with Darkseid is a good ending. And it just ends with them all on top of the reactor staring out. And then we get this montage of the same ending shit that was in theatrical cut. Like, Martha gets the farm back. Batman's building a headquarters. There's gonna be a sequel. And then the film ends, and nothing else happens. The film ends there.
1: Apart from the fact that they build up to Justice League 2, which was going to be the Justice League battles against the Injustice League with Lex Luthor deathstroke. Yes, there's that probably Ares, Green Lantern, Sinestro and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, that. yes, there's that and there is nothing else.
1: And then the fact that there was a...
0: Okay, fine. There's a fucking... Oh, good. Back to the random post-apocalypse where Batman and also Mara and Deathstroke and Cyborg and Flash, who has a dumbass mustache, meet with, like, the Joker, who doesn't actually say we live in a society. That was just in the trailer, so... Yep. Okay.
1: Now, I will say, ever since Suicide Squad came out, I have defended Jared Leto's Joker. That said, he was fucking
0: awful in this scene. I, I... He was terrible. I thought he was fine. But, like, my problem was to say, what's the fucking point of the scene? It's a sequel hook for a movie that, thank God, is never getting made. You just end this movie with this dumbass, stupid scene that's so edgy that's just a sequel hook. And also Joker doesn't have the tattoos, so I guess he was just wearing yeah. temporary tattoos. Yeah, that,
1: that damaged... Tattoo on his forehead? That was temporary, according to Zack
0: Snyder. (laughs) 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 Fucking temporary damage tattoo. But yeah, Yeah. Batman meets with the Joker to get his help. I don't know why he needs Joker's help. And he's like, by the way, when I kill you, and I am going to fucking kill you, it's slowly. Because remember, this is Zack Snyder Batman, who is a remorseless murderer.
1: This movie is rated R,
0: by the way. Yeah, because they get those... Spooky F-bombs in when Batman says he's gonna do a murder. I fucking hate that scene. It's so dumb.
1: Like they said in a South Park movie, and I always bring it to South Park because... Yeah, why do you? Because I honestly am a fan. Eh. But point is, like they said in the South Park movie, you can show whatever sex and violence you want on television, but as soon as you say a naughty word, that's too
0: far. Ooh, Batman said the F word. This is such a cool movie. This also, he meets with Martian Manhunter, who's like, Hi, my Martian Manhunter." Bye, and flies off. Yeah,
1: Darkseid is looking for the anti-life equation. Oh God, which
0: is we... somewhere on this planet. Oh okay. good. Oh yeah. By the way, Steppenwolf learns, like, when he gets the mother boxes, they like tell him, "Hey, the anti-life equation is on Earth." Uh, okay. <laughs> Sequel hook to a sequel that will never become.
1: Yeah, there was like five, seven sequel baits
0: to movies that aren't happening. Because it's his original vision. Who cares about it being a good movie? It's his original vision. And sure, he said that he didn't originally want the Joker and just did it because this is the last DC thing he's ever going to do and wanted to do a Joker scene. But it's his original vision. So he had to have the dumbass sequel hooks.
1: I mean, honestly, if I were in his position, I would have been like, hey, yeah, the last few shots of my movie are gonna be sequel baits. The fans are gonna complain that you aren't giving me the the adaptations of the sequel.
0: Point is- Can we talk about the sequel? Yes, go ahead. He said contradictory stuff, but the basic overall thing that he's been building to with all these movies that will thankfully never be made, because this would be an awful movie. And I'm gonna put my foot down. I like this more than any other Zack Snyder movie. Thank God it's never getting a sequel. Because what he said about the sequels is, Okay, like, so Darkseid's gonna come to Earth and he's gonna be big and scary and it's not gonna be like this film where the same thing happened. And, like, then Batman's gonna be put in charge of guarding Lois Lane. But Lois is gonna have an affair with him because... Like, she's Superman's one true love, and they're a great relationship, but he's gonna cheat on her. And, again, Batman's an asshole in the DCEU. But, like, uh, but like, like, Lois is gonna have an affair with Batman, and then she's gonna die, and that's gonna make Superman, like, be susceptible to the anti-life equation, and he's gonna, like, be evil and do all the nightmare sequences. But, like, then the time travel happens and because batman like remembers from the second one like lois is the key he'll sacrifice himself to save lois and then superman will beat up Darkseid, and then lois and superman are gonna have a baby and name it bruce that's what the pregnancy test scene in this movie was about yeah that movie sounds awful
1: so all the nightmare sequences of earth being this Essentially, Darkseid turned into another Apocalypse.
0: Or not even Apocalypse. Apocalypse is Fire and Brimstone. He turned it into Mad Max for some reason. Very true.
1: Uh, so all of those flashbacks of, on Batman v Superman and this Zack Snyder's Justice League, they're not teases to, to the sequel to this movie. They're, they're teases to the third in, the third Justice League movie. Because the second Justice League movie was going to be the Justice League versus the Injustice League. Then the third Justice League movie was going to be oh yeah, now Darkseid turns Earth into
0: another apocalypse. I think we've reached the point where we never have to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League movies again. Yeah. And I'm happy about that, kinda. Although, I will say, and I hate to admit this because I hate to mean I'm wrong, I was wrong. This cut was far better than I ever expected it to be.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I this might be the intoxication talking because I've, I've had a few drinks up to
0: this point. But so you bought that bottle today? Yep. Oh, and geez, today. that's a lot.
1: Yeah, but Raylan and I had a couple,
0: you know? I don't drink, which is good because this podcast needs to stay sane.
1: Yeah, so I feel like we just kind of jumped around, but we gave our honest opinions and thoughts to this film, I feel. Yeah, so, I mean, this movie is... Let me ask, let me ask you, Casey, do you think this is better than Watchmen and 300?
0: I haven't seen 300. I would say Watchmen's a bit better than this, but I do think... This is finally a mainline DC Zack Snyder movie that I would say is good. It's way too long at parts, it has a ton of stupid stuff, it's certainly not a masterpiece. Like, that's the big thing about it, like, it's much better, but it should have been much, much better. But at the end of the day, I can't believe I'm saying this, this was a good movie that I enjoyed.
1: Over the last few Zack Snyder movies that we've reviewed, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, the 2017 Justice League. And I saved this specifically for this review in particular towards the end because I didn't want to bring the mood down. But the end of this movie, once the movie cuts to black and it's the end, it's dedicated towards Zack Snyder's daughter, Autumn, who in 2017 unfortunately lost her life to suicide and that was part of the reason why Zack Snyder lost his job on the theatrical cut of this film. Within two weeks of his daughter's suicide I myself lost a family member to suicide and the reason why I've been so empathetic towards Zack Snyder is because knowing that he lost a family member, himself himself a daughter, myself an uncle, to suicide. Also being a filmmaker from Wisconsin, just a huge comic book nerd and fan of superhero cinema, I myself have a lot of respect and empathy for him as a filmmaker, and I really appreciate the fact that he got the opportunity to tell his story, despite the fact that if reports are true, he received a lot of studio interference, even making quote unquote Zack Snyder's Justice League to the point where is the studio cut out the Green Lantern from the end of this film where Martian Manhunter came up to him and uh apparently um john stewart green lantern was originally going to be in that final scene but the studio allegedly cut him out of the movie because he's black and they're racists but i i saved this specifically for the end of this review and i personally have a lot of respect for zach snyder as a filmmaker because Though I personally am not the biggest fan of his work, I see a lot of parallels between him and I as people. So I have the utmost respect for him as a person. And honestly, when watching this film at the end, when it cut to black and it said, dedicated to Autumn, his daughter, I almost started crying because I lost... A loved one to suicide within like two weeks of that like less than two weeks later I, I myself so I, I purposely brought this up at the end of this episode because I didn't want to bring down the mood of this show it's just personally while I myself am not the biggest fan of Zack Snyder's films I have the utmost respect for him as a person and him as an artist and that is why I have almost defended him over these last few reviews, and I have a lot of empathy towards him, and I am incredibly glad that he got the chance to tell his story.
0: So, at the end of the day, what score are you going to give it? I'm sorry, that ruined the mood. No,
1: you're totally fine. I I just knew going into this I was going to bring this up, Mm. and... Honestly, if I had to objectively rate this movie, I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. It's a solid movie, and I do think that all fans of superhero fiction should watch it. Mm-hmm. And all fans of DC and even Marvel fans should watch it, you know? So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I still have my gripes with it, but that said, it is a still fully enjoyable movie superhero film yeah. i draw a lot of parallels to the x-men movies where it's like they take these popcorn type movies where it's like oh they're just stupid fun where you can extend your disbelief
0: and Zack snyder comes along and says what if it wasn't fun but was stupid
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so Similar to what I feel like with the X-Men movies. So the point is, let's take this over-the-top, lackluster, void-of-logic superhero story and take it as seriously as possible. Let's let, adapt that. So the point is, it's a perfectly fine movie. And that's why I gave it a 7 out of yeah.
0: 10. And honestly, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I do that too much. i got to stop doing that. But, like, you did it. It's fine. It's passable. It's a film I enjoyed, and that is not something that I can say about Man of Steel or Batman 3 Superman, or especially the theatrical cut of this movie. This is a good movie. It is definitely flawed. It's definitely not a masterpiece. It's not great. But it works as a film. It is a successful experience. And for that, I'm going to give it to Nate and a half. I'm pretty sure that makes it average Marvel, which I think every single Zack Snyder fan will murder us
1: for saying. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, for me personally, I feel like there's a difference between the person and their art. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's why I personally have... Explained. I have the utmost respect and admiration yeah. for Zack Snyder for making this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. I hope to God it doesn't come out in like two years that Zack Snyder is actually a monster because
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> like mean,
0: half of Hollywood is and I mean, 300 has some uncomfortable stuff.
1: I mean, honestly, I'm kind of tearing up right now as yeah. we're recording this, but
0: and fuck, we've been going for two hours. You're hammered. I'm. Not.
1: I would, honestly, I would be crying, straight crying, if I wasn't hammered right now. <laughs> honestly, like, Zack Snyder, if you are listening to Oh this, god, I hope not. Honestly, if you are listening to this... We were I so mean, mean. I mean none of this personally. This has nothing to do with you and everything to do with your toxic fandom. You and I were both nerd filmmakers from Wisconsin who have had personal tragedies happen to us and for that reason I'm honestly cheering up as I say that we have I have the almost, utmost respect for you as a person and I am incredibly glad that you got your chance to at least nearly tell your story because the studio fucked you over because they're racist pricks. That said, Warner Brothers, please hire me.
0: Okay, here we go.
1: I, I've i known people that criticized certain filmmakers for their work and then didn't get jobs. Point is, Zack Snyder, if, you're lis- if you are listening to this... You're not listening. Hypothetically, if 20 years into the future i meet you and say hey listen to this podcast episode on spotify if spotify is still a thing in 20 years i respect you i saved this in particular for the last few mm-hmm. minutes of our episode because yeah. it's really depressing yeah and it's yeah, yeah. and
0: we're looping so, we say all of our social stuff in every episode, watch another one, because I, I don't want to make Riley do that right now.
1: I will. I will, absolutely. You can find our show on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, at Silver, Age, Silver Screen. And you can also find me, Riley Thorpe, on YouTube, at Riley Thorpe, where you can check out all of my short films. And... You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Riley James Thorpe, where you can check out all of my content on there. Casey, what about
0: you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at JarmsCasey, J-A-R-M-E-S-C-A-S-E-Y. Also, check out Double Elimination the Machine. It's my new book. It's out. It's about superheroes and morality and Shit, I'm explaining it poorly. Look up the fucking book description. I don't know. You got Google. We'll be back next week. We're reviewing Ready Player One, which we're going to be probably even... I say probably. We recorded that one before this one because of scheduling problems. We're going to be even more harsh than in this one. And it won't have a sappy ending where we apologize because fuck that movie. Yeah. As always, I'm Casey Jarms.
1: And I'm Riley Phil.
0: And hey, it's just a movie. Don't lose your head about it. Especially not to Wonder Woman with her magic sword! Oh. What the? What are you doing? Stop! What? 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 Stop! We're never doing another drunk episode again.
1: Yes, we are.